Well, thanks again for being here. You know that we like to start with something funny. Unfortunately, I'm not thinking that you quite have grasped the gravity and importance of laughing <laughs> because the comics have not been that funny. The, the interesting part is, I think we got to go back two slides, if we could. Go back two slides, yeah. Did, um, oh, okay. Um, okay, yeah, so I want to review first. The last week, last week, we talked about boundaries. And we talked about setting boundaries. And we talked about the fact that sometimes people influence you and they come around you and they don't have boundaries. So just in reviewing from last week, did you think about your boundaries this week? Now granted, there's a little, there's a little underlying letter that when all three of the points get put down, you can make a word out of that and it ties in. Just so you're going, well, that's odd. That's just odd. Did you notice the lack of boundaries from others around you? Um, I did. We've got some family that are learning boundaries. And it's not Liz. <laughs> Trust me, it's not Liz. And then last, did you require someone who was letting their issues fall into your space? Remember the tree analogy that Dr. Cloud, we, we shared on the video, somebody's tree that fell into your yard. If they don't take ownership and responsibility, it's your problem now. And then what are you going to do with that? But did you require someone who was letting their issues fall into your space to first take ownership? and responsibility for their issues and get help before getting involved. I mean, that's the thing. It's that application of having somebody actually be called out to say, before I help you this time, for the 35th time, <laughs> I need you to take some action. I need you to be responsible. And that's hard. What's the, what's the word that we spell by underlining all the letters? Enable. When you let somebody not have boundaries, and they're coming to you, and their tree, their issue has fallen into your yard, and you're like, yeah, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it, you enable. You allow them to go and to get what they need. They never, they never crash. They never hit bottom. They never, you never give the Lord a chance to work in their deepest valleys. And then you're going, oh, 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 I might be stepping on the Lord's toes. That's uncool. That's uncool. I need to rethink this and re-pray on this. So yeah, that's good. This is the cartoon. It has to do with good and bad because our second principle is not boundaries. 
Other artists would be, I heard that. We can get out in five minutes. What a glorious time. What a great day. Oh, no, that would be too soon. Bless you. We've got, that's what you get to do with a small church. You get to, you get to say, bless you, and uh, do you need a cough drop? Tell me something, Lucy says. Are there more bad people in the world, or are there more good people? Who is to say, Charlie Brown said, who is to say who is bad or who is good? I will. Hey, that's not bad. That actually got on the meter. Now, I was so paranoid. Thank you. I was so paranoid that nobody was going to do anything that, I, that I, I put in another slide just as a backup. Because I just couldn't go further again going, I am just a failure when it comes to trying to make people laugh. Okay, so here's the backup. We don't do that at this church. Someone is going to think you're being robbed. But actually, we do. We actually, you praise, you worship. 100% put your hands up. If you have one hand up, though, we might think you have a question. <laughs> but it's safe. It's absolutely safe. Okay. Um, very good. Hey, bad and good. We're taking this series from the book, Changes That Heal. And they're spiritual changes that heal. That's why we focused all last time on boundaries. Now we're dealing with the issue of people being bad or good. Bad and good. And the fact there's a lot of problems being bad and good. At least maybe not from your perspective, but maybe from your friend's perspective. Maybe from, uh, maybe from your spouse's perspective, a relative's perspective. I've got a beautiful specialized road bike. <laughs> Love bikes. I saved... I think four months for a nice bike. I mean, that's not very long. <laughs> not a real expensive bike, but, but uh, according to Liz, really expensive. <laughs> anyway, we can agree to disagree. And um, so uh, I finally got the money to purchase the bike. It was at Dominic's Cycling across from ASU, the campus. Um, had to drive a long way because obviously I'm a little bit out of college, a little bit. And um, so I picked up the bike, and the dopamine in my brain was soaring. It was just like, nothing can bring me down. It's a great day. Jesus, if you're going to come today, wait one more day, because I want to ride this bike. I mean, that's what happens. That's what you say sometimes to the Lord when you really don't want you don't want him to come back. Now, in hindsight, that was a silly statement. That was silly. We know that. You don't have to tell me that. But got the bike, um, got it home. Um, Liz and I packed up the bikes and, um, to go riding. I think it was, I don't know, a week, a week, week or two later. She had her bike in the, right behind the trunk in the bike carrier, and mine was in the back. And we're cruising, and it's just still dopamine producing. That neurotransmitter in my brain makes you feel good. Kind of like now in these days, going to Baskin-Robbins at about 4 o'clock today and getting a large hot fudge sundae. That creates dopamine in my brain now, okay? Just to let you know. 
Anyway, so, so we're driving out to, to Tempe to ride our bikes because it's a great place to ride, college town and lots of places to go. And then all of a sudden, Liz goes, hey, would you, would you check the rearview mirror? Would you look to see in the back? Because something may be wrong. And so, sure enough, um, I turned, kind of started to go slower so it could be safe when I turned. And there's only one bike. And the other bike is being drugged. It had fallen off the little, the little mount that comes down on the top of the frame. It, 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 fell, it fell off or through that. And was, it was, the wheels were still tied to the, to the bike carrier. And we were just dragging it. Right getting ready to go over the mill bridge, just dragging it. And then I started to get a better perspective of the value of things. I pulled over. I just picked it off the street and put it back up and reattached it. But that bike, I guarantee you, it was all bad. It was all bad. It was no longer anything good about it. It was all bad. So, so this is what we're getting into when it comes to relationships. And this is what we're getting into in terms of scripture. Now, I've got a couple slides. You're going to go, Don, Don, you've got seven or eight slides and no Bible verses on them. I don't think that's in our bylaws. I don't think you can do that. No, trust me, you've got more than enough scripture coming um, that we'll address these, uh, these issues with. But we have to get to a certain place. Okay, I digress. Here we go. As Christian, or as people with a Christian worldview, do we see Christians around us as both good and bad? Just kind of be thinking in your mind. Christians in our family as both good and bad. Meaning that they do good things and they do bad things. It's like, well, they're born again and they teach a Bible study at the church, so it better be overwhelmingly good <laughs> just because you've been called to that position. Do you see your pastor as both good and bad? Well, if you say, well, not yet, just give it time. <laughs> I mean, really, just give it time. And you'll see why in a couple minutes. Why is this such an issue at church, work, and home? Okay, well, let's, let's dive into it. It's a huge issue. Oh, my gracious. So many fights can be prevented. Head off the path. But we've got to take this in, internalize it. So, Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts to help us to see the gravity of what we see your word highlighting for us as it pertains to good and bad behaviors that come out of our, our Christian mind and heart and body while we're on this earth? Would you help us to get a perspective that's healthy so we can bring that health to other people who are not here today, especially neighbors maybe who've not even been invited to church maybe yet? I don't know, Jesus, it's your plan, and you're letting us in on it little at a time, and it's pretty awesome. So thank you and bless us, and may your Holy Spirit lead in every way, Jesus. Amen. 
We wouldn't believe the problems that arise in dealing with the good and bad in our lives and in others' lives. The good and bad in our lives and in others' lives. We feel that we must keep the good and bad separated. Now, Christian psychologists, they've proven this. They see a lot of people in therapy that see this is a struggle. This creates a split in our minds and heart that's not based on reality. It really does. You go, well, tell me more. I'm not buying in yet. I haven't bought the t-shirt. Give me a little bit more here. Zero tolerance. The issue makes us unable to tolerate badness, weakness, and failure in others and in ourselves. Wow, so if I don't listen to this and get what you're saying, it's I might have the zero tolerance with boyfriends or girlfriends or family. Yeah. And you can just save yourself a lot of grief and pain in the family and a lot of fighting if we just see and realize what's being said here and what the Apostle Paul says. We think we or others are all bad when we fail. Or we think we are all good when we are doing well. well I think it's pretty much time to get into some scripture here. We end up punishing others for failing to be all good that we want them to be. You've done that. I've done that. I've, I've like... I've like had the gall to go to my wife if I think she hasn't done a long enough devotion time and say, oh, you must have got up earlier. No. And I'm sitting here evaluating the fact that I think she should be reading more or praying more. Who left me to be God? No one. Remember that message where we had a board in our eye? You have a plank in your eye. Stop going and trying to find the speck in your brothers. It looks crazy. It's ridiculous. We so badly desire to see the good in others and ourselves that we see, when we see bad, it's all bad. It's all bad. It ruins the day. It can ruin the morning. It could be like, I knew a, I knew a couple. And when the, when the gal got upset, their husband, it went days. I kid you not, it went days. Now, they got better, and it just went to one day. But it, it, it can do that. That anger can set in. Examples of not dealing well with badness. Think, think about this. Think about when you forgot to call home or misled your family or friend. <laughs> Misled's the part that I'm usually guilty of. When you were going to be late. After arriving... You received the silent treat, the silent treatment. People were distant. They were just flat out angry. That's a sign you can't take badness. You don't deal well with badness. Oh, no, 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 no. Judgment! You're gone. By the grace of God, I may see mercifully on your situation if you do much better. What legalism is that? Oh, danger, danger. How about this? You're putting together a dinner for your neighbor's get-together. And your side dishes burn. 
and the whole dinner's now ruined. You've done that maybe. You're getting ready to go to like a function community, some sort of get together, and you burn something. It's just everything's bad. Not going. They're going to think poorly of me. I can't cook. You know what? I don't even have time to cook. Why am I even doing this? Then you're angry at the people for inviting you. Oh, it's vicious. Oh, it's vicious. It's weird. It's vicious. Okay, brace yourself. I've got two slides full of scripture. If you're uh, counting the scriptures, 7, 14 through 25. ESV. You're welcome. Okay, for we know that the law is spiritual, the Apostle Paul says. Remember, we're dealing with people who are good and they're bad. They're good and they're bad. Now, in our sanctification, we should be getting more of the right things for more of the right reasons. That's going to be that's going to be key. That's going to be huge. We see in that sanctification, we're set apart for his holiness. We should see a, a trajectory there. For we know that the law is spiritual, Paul says, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Do some of your translations say carnal? But I am of the flesh, sold under sin. So Paul is recognizing that the law is perfect. The law is something that will cause us to see we're shortcomers. The law will give us all kinds of grief. The law has no power to help us to become better. But sometimes we see the law and we're like, I'm going to try harder. I'm not going to kick the dog. He was really bad. He got up on the bed. And unfortunately, somewhere in the backyard, he stepped on something not so positive, And now it's on the bed. So Lord, I'm going to just, well, I'm not even going to ask the Lord for help. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do better. Get out. Get out in the backyard. Get out. I can do this. I can do this on my own. I can do this on my own. I don't need help. I can do this on my own. Oh. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. So Paul could see that there's good, that the law is good. And it's there to help us to see how not so good we are. That's what Paul says that Romans says about the law in, in Romans. Paul says, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Oh, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. This is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's saying, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Oh, 
hypocrite. <laughs> hypocrite. 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 I do things other than what I say. And I'm seeing that the Apostle Paul says, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. So that's a nature we all know too well. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, I never like to say, anybody agree with me? Because I get one or two, and it's always embarrassing. And then it's just, no. Um, I'll get brave again. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So he's doing bad things in the flesh. And he's agreeing that the law is good. But it's rendered him powerless. He's powerless. You think, I don't know how that sin can overtake somebody. I don't see that. The Apostle Paul's saying, sin can overtake you pretty easily. <laughs> he's saying he's powerless here. And we'll go on. You say, but greater is he that is in me, 1 John 4, 4, than he is in the world. Yes. But Paul says in the flesh, he's powerless. Well, I haven't had a devotion in three days, so I haven't renewed my mind. I don't know what God's will is. I've been busy. And then you're going, but I'm struggling with a really big sin now. I've not been in touch with anything that Jesus has asked me to be in touch with. I have, I have, I have now fallen to the things of the flesh. And this is, this is how he's writing. The Apostle Paul. Saint Paul. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Wait a minute. He's not taking responsibility? Oh, I can do some bad things? Then say, that wasn't me. <laughs> no, that was something else. That was somebody else. Uh, that, was, that was Don in the flesh. Well, I hate to say it, newsflash. We're one person. <laughs> so we've got a battle inside going on. Can you see how badness can take place in our families? Can you see how somebody messing up? Can you see how it's, it's common? Oh, and don't say, oh, it's excused. I'm going home. I'm going to do some things I shouldn't do. No, 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 no. The Apostle Paul in Romans 6 says, should I sin more that grace may abound? He says emphatically in the Greek, do not. Do not do that. Hebrews 12, 6, God disciplines those he loves. Don't live for sin. But what Paul says in verse 20, now I do what I do not want. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in or dwells within me. Here's what that means. Paul is a born-again believer. Yes or no? 
He penned that he's a new creation. Yes or no? 2 Corinthians 5.17. He is well aware that it's the old nature that's rearing its ugly head. He's well aware of it. But for us, give someone some grace. Give someone some mercy because God loved us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us, Romans 5.8. Look at that pattern. Lavish that on somebody else and they'll see God is love. And that love we've received if we're born again. But we see the struggle. Last bit of scripture here. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Is that just me and Paul, or is that all of us? <laughs> yeah. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So Paul is aware that on his own, he cannot do it. On his own, Without consulting the Lord, he doesn't have a chance. You think about, well, I can do this. God knows my struggles. I can just do it. I can do better. I can do better. Stop doing it in your own strength, your own desire. Seek ye first the kingdom. Ask for the Lord's strength to empower you. Renew your mind every day. Find prayer Anxious for nothing, pray about everything, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. But he says, look at this, look at this. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Wretched. The word wretched in the Greek, if we play it out and we do a, do a word study, Pastor Jack, those nice little tools you gave me, um, you have, this, you have this, this idea, what does wretched mean there? And when Paul says that, I put it in little, little print so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> um, just helps me. Um, wretched and worn out through the exhaustion of hard labor. That's what Paul says. I am so sick of doing this on my own. I need to spend time with Jesus. I need to hear from Jesus. I need to, uh, to, to have this Holy Spirit that's sealed within me. If you're a believer and believe in Jesus and have a personal relationship with him. I need to see the Holy Spirit prompt me and work in God's strength and not my own. That's the problem. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. We can be overcomers in Christ through Jesus, not on ourself, not in and of ourselves, not even consulting Oprah. The Oprah channel, it doesn't, it's not going to pay to, to consult with her, even though she reaches millions upon millions. Not going to do it. Not going to help. Not going to help. Sorry, that was my Ross Perot 
imitation. So we've got hope here. Hey, somebody look up Matthew 5.3. Matthew 5.3. It's, it's the first beatitude. It's the first beatitude. Come on. Let's see some poor in spirit. Come on. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Come on now. Somebody say it out loud. Somebody really nice and say it out loud. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what poor in spirit is? It means wretched. It means wretched. You are at the end of your rope doing it yourself. It can only be God. And what does it say? If you're wretched, if you realize it only could be God, you're at the end of your rope of trying to do things on your own, what does it say the blessing's going to be because you read that so nicely? What's the last part of that verse again? Oh, you turned, that's okay. What is the last part of the verse? For what, what, what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so we just gotta, now back to the text. We have a couple minutes. We have a couple minutes. Um, have you noticed, in the world around us, we require perfection? We devalue any church, group, or person who fails our expectations. You go, no, I don't. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm like Jesus. You might be in one situation, but somebody that really ticks you off, you're like, no, I was like Jesus yesterday. I'm like, I'm a vampire now. I want blood. In the world around us, we require perfection. And we devalue any church, group, or person who fails our expectations. Get this. When we withdraw because of bad things, we move over to another imperfect and disappointing situation. Oh, my goodness. Wait a second. I'm leaving this group, taking my ministry ball, going somewhere else. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because we're... Oftentimes, leaving one relationship, leaving one church, that's bad for some reason, and you go somewhere else and repeat the cycle. Oh, psychology, Christian psychologist proven. You repeat the cycle. An imperfect and disappointing situation. Bottom line, if we don't have the ability to tolerate and deal with the simultaneous existence of good and bad in each other, under the boundary rule, though, somebody's really bad, they take responsibility and get help before they try to come back and earn trust to get back into your life. Let's qualify that. If we don't have the ability to tolerate and deal with the simultaneous existence of good and bad, we will have issues. Pray. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, I, I messed up on this slide. I put, he did not believe in biblical inerrancy but followed Carl Barthnot empirically, I don't know. I'm bad. I did a bad thing. And so there would be some that are so perfectionistic that would say, gosh, that's... He should have looked at that again. But we're good and we're bad. That's real life. And Lord, that's the Christian way, is we're good and we're bad. This side of heaven. Jesus, when you return, you will, you will give us glorified bodies. When we die and we go to be in your presence, if it's before you come back, we'll be in a different state. 
a glorified body state because to be absent in the body is to be present with you. So Lord Jesus, would you help us to realize as a Christian congregation that there are people that we have just labeled bad and you've labeled them beautiful because they're your creation. And Lord, yes, we're to work smart and hard. And so help people who, who are here who may be non-Christian to realize that Christians are bad and they're good. The Apostle Paul just told us, but we're forgiven for sins past, present, and future because we've accepted, Jesus, your love and your sacrificial payment on the cross to die for our sins. And the Bible says you arose three days later. So Lord, if there's anybody here today that just doesn't know you as Lord and wants to learn more about what this Christian walk is about, help them in a few moments, get out of their seat, come forward, talk to myself. Let's get some counselors up here, get some people that would receive people for prayer or for salvation. We can't do it ourselves, And so, Lord, if we just need to, as Christians, repent and just say we've been trying to do this on my, on my own, on our own, and we can't do it any longer. So, Jesus, would you take the reins? You take the wheel. There's a song about that, Jesus. It's pretty special. It's pretty cool. You take the wheel, and we'll give it back over to you. We'll work in your strength We'll be wholly devoted to you and we'll rededicate our life. If there's anybody there in a few moments, come forward, pray with somebody. Show the Lord you mean business. You say, I can, I can mean all the business that I want just sitting here. Perfect. Then mean all the business that you want just sitting there. God knows your heart, but there's something about making a commitment. There's something about taking another step out. We've challenged people, Lord, to come to the new members membership class next week to find out more if they want to be a member or not and see what we espouse in terms of doctrine, in terms of belief. Anybody there that wants to come forward and, uh, and, and sign up for the class next week? Or, Lord, if anybody just wants to come and pray at the altar, just pray at the altar because they're sick of going home to church from church and having everything be the same and having nothing in their brain that's different, except for the fact they've taken in some more knowledge, but nothing comes out. Help us, forgive us when we're like that. Open up our hearts and minds. And may it be in these next few minutes, Lord, that we'll receive anybody that wants prayer, anybody that wants to change something, anybody that wants to receive you. May that be the theme these next couple minutes, Jesus, in your presence.